Good morning. It's April 24th. And welcome to Doing Life, daily devotions for finding peace in stressful times. This is the audible companion to the book of the same name. Today's topic is Cheap Grace. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 and 8 through 9. Once during my years at Dallas Theological Seminary, I was sitting on an airplane returning from a medical conference in San Francisco. This was back in the day when it felt slightly less like a cattle car, and there was actually an open seat between me on the aisle and a gentleman slightly older than myself seated by the window. At some point during the flight, we introduced ourselves and began to chat, as one does on a long flight. It turns out that he was a software salesman returning from his own conference in San Francisco. He noticed the book I had been reading, Orthodoxy, the famous Christian manifesto by G.K. Chesterton, and inquired if I was a Catholic, as he was. He had never read the book, but assumed by its title that it was referring to Catholicism. While G.K. Chesterton was an Anglican theologian, philosopher, humorist, and journalist in early 20th century England, who did eventually convert to Catholicism, the book is by no means about the split in the Christian church, but instead about the central tenets of the early church that have been obscured across all denominational lines. When my seatmate learned that I was both a physician and attending an evangelical seminary, he confessed that he just didn't understand how Protestants could have the whole thing so backwards. How could we believe that just because we were under grace that we were no longer obligated to pay any attention to the law at all? If our sins were forgiven once and for all, weren't Protestants free to just keep on sinning? Why didn't they understand that they had to take communion regularly to be forgiven continually? I did mention that Paul had addressed this directly in Romans. Quote, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And a few verses later, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Romans 6, 1-2 and 6-7. through The Christian, who by definition has been saved by grace through faith, far from ignoring the law, now lives in the one who perfected the law. Yes, we are now clothed in the righteousness of Christ and thus presentable to God. But because we have died to our old selves, we no longer want to sin. In other words, we are no longer slaves to sin. Christ said, it is finished from the cross. Because his perfect sacrifice was all that was needed to reconcile man to God to forgive our sins, past, present, and future. But, said my new friend, where is it then mandated that you change your sinful ways? I think at this juncture I pointed out that a heart of repentance was part of accepting Christ to begin with, but that really didn't sell him. Not surprisingly, we didn't solve 400 years of differences between Catholics and Protestants on a portion of a four-hour flight, but we did part as friends. 
Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the famous German Christian theologian and anti-Nazi who lost his life by hanging in Flossenburg concentration camp only weeks before the Allies liberated it, coined the term cheap grace. That was perhaps at the heart of the airborne discussion years ago. Non-believers, Muslims, Jews, and Catholics alike frequently view Protestant Christians as those who claim to have accepted Christ as their Savior, further claim that they are without condemnation as in Romans 1, and then continue to act as though they are thus free to sin. It is not hard to see where the confusion lies if, in fact, a large number of those claiming Christianity are, in fact, hypocrites, not unlike the Pharisees and scribes that so drew the wrath of our Lord. These are those who cheapen the concept of grace in Bonhoeffer's view. Quote, Cheap grace is preaching forgiveness without repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession, grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, and in effect, grace without Jesus. In short, cheap grace is characterized by belief without obedience, hearing without doing, and intellectual assent without commitment. Cheap grace, rather than a gift from God, is the grace we give ourselves. Claiming grace alone for salvation has become a justification for disobeying the commands of Jesus. Grace for the great streams of scornful and unbelieving demonstrated the Christian's care for humanity. But any mention of the narrow way was lost. True grace, while a gift from God, is nevertheless costly. It is costly because we are called to follow Jesus. It is costly because it costs our very lives. It is costly because it condemns sin. But it is grace because we are allowed to follow the personification of perfect love, the only source of a true, complete life of peace and joy. It is grace because while it condemns sin, it justifies the sinner, and that reconciles us to God. A misunderstanding of grace is often accompanied by a misunderstanding of the cry of the Reformation. Not by works, but grace through faith alone. When James claimed that faith without works is dead, he didn't mean that works were necessary to earn your salvation. He meant that if you have the faith that renders God's grace, you will demonstrate it by the way that you live. There is the narrow way. Luke thirteen twenty four. Okay, seems like I've gone and gotten all theological on you. Well, it's a big topic for one devotional. But it comes down to what we've said all along. Christ sent us a helper in the Holy Spirit. Why would we need a helper at all if grace meant we were free and clear to behave in any way we felt, sinful or not? Dying to sin and accepting Christ means we have died to our old selves and no longer have to sin. It doesn't mean we won't sin. And it doesn't mean it's just okay to go on sinning. Christ said that people will know us as his followers by our love. John 13.35. He said if we love him, we will follow his commandments. John 14.15. That doesn't mean we earn our salvation by following the rules as the chosen people of the Old Testament attempted and failed. It means that our love lived out will exclude a life of sin. Dear Heavenly Father, every morning, let my first thought be, Lord, direct your spirit to show me how I might love you by loving others at every opportunity. That means that I long to be obedient. I want to act in a way and do the things 
that let me be the salt and light that you want me to be. Don't let me fool myself about a grace that cost the death of your son to offer me and cost the death of my old life to claim. Romans 8.1 assures us that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, not for those who just claim to know you, but live in a way that demonstrates they have cheapened your grace by turning it into an excuse for their own sin. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow.